Good morning. Let's try that one more time. Good morning. Are you guys awake this morning? Ready to go? Kind of? Sort of? Yeah? That's good. Well, it's really good to see you this morning. And here's the thing. Hey, can we thank these guys for their hard work this morning? Thank you. By the time, by the time you guys get here, it's a long day for them already. So I'm really thankful for all their work this morning. Um, so here's the thing. We're all here. We're excited to be here. We look pretty good, right? Look around. Look at your neighbor and be like, you look good this morning, right? <laughs> but here's my question. Here's my question for you. As you come this morning, um, my, well, maybe like this picture, I'm wondering what you're facing, right? Isn't that kind of funny? Like, how did someone get that picture? That's my question, right? But pretend for a second you're the mouse, right? And what are you facing? What are you facing in your life that looks pretty scary, pretty daunting, pretty overwhelming, pretty much like there's no way you're getting out of this, right? There's no way he's getting out of that so much. But what is it in your life today that you're facing? And what are the things that my guess is for this mouse, he's pretty shaken right now. Would you guys agree with that? He's not feeling real safe. He's not feeling real secure. He's like, holy cow, I'm about to die, right? So what are you facing right now that kind of has you shaken? Maybe it's something that's shaking your faith, something that's shaking your confidence in God and who he is. Maybe it's something that's shaking your confidence in who you are and who God has made you to be. My guess is if we all think for a moment, there's something going on that's sort of shaking us. I want to tell you just a couple stories of things from my life that have shaken me that have kind of caused me to feel like I'm overwhelmed and I'm not gonna survive. Maybe some of these things you guys can relate to. One of them was a really bad breakup. Okay, I don't know if anybody's ever faced that, but when I was your age, I was dating a guy um, in, it was actually a a year after college, I was dating a guy that I really thought I was gonna marry. We dated for about a year, and at the end of that year, I was like professing my, you know, confidence that you're the one. Like, this is what's going to happen. And he kind of professed his confidence that I was not the one, okay? So um, that didn't go over so well. There were a lot of tears and a lot of heartache on my point, on my part. And there were literally days when I couldn't eat, I couldn't get out of bed, I could hardly function. And what I needed during those days where I had friends around me who loved God and believed in his promises and would literally, like, hold me up. You know what I'm saying? Like when I was weak and I was shaken, they would say to me, no, you know what, Stacy? God has something great for you. You gotta hold on to him. Okay, so that's one example. Another example, um, about four years ago, Ben and I were looking for jobs. We were kind of looking for college ministry jobs. Some of you guys know this story because we really wanted to hang out with people like you. So we went on this trip all over the country looking for places that we might find a job and you know, we were doing a summer camp job out in Washington State, and by the end of August, we didn't have anywhere to live. So as the summer went on, and the job possibilities started slipping away, like, oh, we thought that was going to work, and then it didn't. Oh, we thought this was going to work, and then it didn't. And pretty soon, it's the end of July, and we have like three weeks left of camp, and no jobs, and we're not sure where to go, because when we left for camp that summer, we had quit our jobs back in Michigan. And so we're getting to the end of that summer and like, man, God, are you going to come through? And I remember I had a lot of fear. I had a lot of tears. 
I was like, what does my future hold? Is God really going to take care of us? Is God really going to provide something? And some of you guys know that a few days later, this came along. It was pretty awesome. And God came through. But in the midst of that unknown, I was shaken. I was overwhelmed. The third one is, some of you guys have heard this story, Ben and I were living in Jerusalem studying for a few years, and one day we went to the grocery store and we bought all our groceries and we walked the few blocks back to our house and put our groceries down in the kitchen and we just cried. And the reason we cried is because we were out of money. We had $50 left in our bank account and it's really expensive to live over there and you can't get a job because you're not a citizen. We literally had $50 and we're living on the other side of the world. Again, I was shaken. Where's God? Is he going to provide for me? Can I trust him? This book is full of his promises, but I was shaken, and I was worried. So that's my question for you. What's shaking you today? What's shaking your confidence? What's shaking your belief in God? What's shaking your confidence in his promises? Um, We're going to take a look at some scripture this morning um, that's going to help us unpack that a little bit. And I believe, you guys, I'm really excited because I believe that God has some words of encouragement for you this morning if you're feeling that way. If there's something in your life that's shaking you, I really believe God has something, something great for you. So will you just pray with me a second? I'd like to pray that God would speak to us um, clearly this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the beauty of this morning. We thank you for the sunshine We thank you for your perfect plan in bringing us together here this morning. And God, we thank you for your word. Jesus, we ask that in these next few moments that you would speak. Whatever our hearts need to hear, whatever our minds need to understand, Jesus, will you please speak to us through your word. Amen. All right. If you guys would do this with me, we're going to read some scripture together this morning. So I'm going to try to keep you guys awake. Is that all right? Ready to go? Everybody go ahead and stand up. We are continuing this morning a series on Ephesians chapter 6. And these are the verses we've been focusing on. We're going to focus on one verse at the end of this. But let's read this together. Okay? And maybe this will help us like, like read it like you mean it. Okay? Here we go. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, this last verse is the one that we're going to focus on this morning. So I want us to read this one one last time together. Here we go. In all circumstances, 
Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. These are the very words of God. You can have a seat. So our goal this morning, our goal this morning is to figure out what does this mean? In light of the things going on in our lives, the things that are shaking us, what does this verse mean? What is this saying to us this morning? To do this, we're going to look specifically at three words that are in this text. We're going to look at the word faith. We're going to look at the word darts, or in the NIV, it's arrows, okay? And we're going to look at the word shield. That's our plan for this morning. Are you guys ready? So here's what I want you to do. You guys have Bibles. Does anyone need a Bible? Because we're going to flip through some stuff. If anyone wants one, go ahead and raise your hand, and Ben is going to bring them out for you. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. And I also have two volunteers that are going to help me this morning. So Amanda and Charlotte, if you guys want to come down, that would be fantastic. So turn to Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to look at verse 1. The first word we're going to look at this morning is the word faith. Okay, the verse says, take up the shield of faith. So what is this word faith getting at? Are you ready? Here we go. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Okay, I'm going to read it again. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Okay, and if you look at this verse, the second word is faith, right? It's the same word in the Greek. The New Testament was originally written in Greek, okay? It's the exact same word that's used in our Ephesians 6 verse. So when it says, take up the shield of faith, that Greek word is pistis. And Charlotte is going to help us a little bit. She's going to stand up and hold this sign. And everybody is going to read this word together. Are you ready? Say pistis. One more time. Pistis. All right, this is the Greek word for faith, found both in Ephesians 6 and in Hebrews 11. Okay, now our question this morning is, what does this mean in the Greek? What is this word getting at? So, Hebrews 11 gives us one idea, being certain of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now turn um, to James, which is the next book over, to James chapter 2. We're going to look at James 2, verse 23. This is another place that pistis, the Greek word, is used. We're trying to use these references to figure out what's this word getting at. So here we go. James 2, verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed in God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Can anyone guess which word in that verse might be pistis? Abraham believed in God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. What do you think? Believe, right. Okay, so we have it translated as faith. We have it translated as believe. So um, Charlotte's going to flip her poster board over and show us a real simplified um, definition of this Greek word pistis, to trust God. Okay, Um, I'm going to come back to this in a second. Okay, so hold on. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. Now, when James writes this verse about Abraham, when he puts this in here, This is something really cool. This is actually a quote from the Old Testament. Now that's interesting because the Old Testament is written in what language? In Hebrew, okay? So there has to be a Hebrew word that was translated for pistis, okay? So let's figure this out. Go all the way back to Genesis 15, the very first book of the Bible. Genesis 15, 
verse 6. And this is what James is actually quoting. Here we go. Genesis 15, verse 6. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it, credited it to him as righteousness. That's hard to say. Um, okay, so what word was it in, the, in James that was translated as pistis? Do you remember? Believe, right? So in the Hebrew, let's see what that word is. And Amanda is going to help us out with the Hebrew word. Everyone say, emunah. One more time, emunah. Okay, this is the word that is in the Hebrew in Genesis 15:6 for belief. So we have emunah and we have pistis, and they're both being used interchangeably. So what I want to propose to you is that we're going to look at both of them, see how they're used, and see if this helps give us a better definition of what Ephesians is telling us about faith. Are you with me? All right, here we go. So I want you to turn to Exodus 17. It's the very next book after Genesis. Exodus, I'm sorry, Exodus 17. I'm not sure if that's what I said. Exodus 17. This is another use of the word emunah. Basically, let me tell you the story. Moses is leading the Israelites through the desert, and they're in this battle with the Amalekites, who are these really bad people. Okay? When Moses holds his hand up, does anybody remember what happens? He, they're winning, okay? So if Moses holds his hands up in the air, the Israelites win, win. What happens when he puts his hands down? They start to lose. So we want his hands up, right? That's what we want to do. So here's what happens. Look at Exodus 17, verse 12. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. Is there a word in there you think might be amunah? It's a little tricky. There is one. Can you guess what it is? Louder. Steady. When they held his hands up, they remained amunah. Interesting. Turn to Deuteronomy 7, verse 9. So you go Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. All right, here we go. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. Any idea what word might be emunah in this verse? Let me read it again. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. What do you think? Keep, that's a good, good, that's a good guess. Any other guesses? It's not right, sorry. <laughs> what else? Faithful. When it says he is the faithful God, he is emunah. Isn't that cool? So we have this picture in the Hebrew of the steady hands, the steadiness. And we have this other picture of God being faithful, emunah. Okay, so when we flip this card over, this is my simplified definition of emunah. It's to stand firm. Okay? Now, what I want to do is connect the two definitions. Okay, so if we go back to pistis for a second, let me give you just a few more words to describe it. Okay, hang with me, because this is going to be really cool in the end. 
Here we go. Pistis, to believe to the extent of complete trust and reliance. So you trust God because you believe his promises, you believe the things he says are true, and you trust him, you depend on him, you rely on him. Okay, this is pistis in the Greek. Now if we go back to emunah, to the Hebrew, this comes from the root word that means steady. Okay, and the definition is to confirm or support or uphold to be established, to be faithful. It's so interesting to me because you have this trust in God over here, and over here you have this steadfast firmness. And when I put the words together, so we're going to have our friends come together, here they come, and then they're going to put their arm around each other because these two words kind of mean the same thing, right? When you absolutely trust God, 100%, relying on him, completely believing in his promises and his goodness and his faithfulness and all that he is, guess what happens? Amunah, you stand firm. Isn't that cool? Let me say it again. When you absolutely trust God, when you have faith that he is who he says he is and he's going to do the things he said he's going to do, then you have the ability to believe in such a way that you are solid and you stand firm. And just like Moses' arms up in the air, they are steady. You are steady and steadfast. When Ephesians tells us to take up the shield of faith, this is what it means. Both of these things. Will you trust God in such a way that you will stand firm? No matter what shakes you, no matter what comes your way, this is faith. Cool? Cool? All right, we're going to move on. Thanks, you guys. You can have a seat. You can take them with you if you want. Let's give them a hand. Okay, so our next word, I want to look at these flaming arrows. In the, in the ESV, which is what we read on the screen, it says flaming darts. And if you look in your text in Ephesians 6, in the NIV, it says flaming arrows. That we're supposed to take up our shield of faith Because the evil one, cursed be he, as the Jews say, which is really cool, by the way, whenever they mention the evil one, they always add this little addendum, cursed be he. Isn't that awesome? So when the evil one, cursed be he, is sending flaming arrows at you to shake your confidence in God, you're supposed to take up this shield of faith. So what are the arrows? That's my question, right? What are the arrows that are trying to shake us? So let me just tell you a little bit. At the time that this was written, In Roman warfare, okay, around the first century, these arrows were arrows that had little balls of like fiber put on the end of the arrow and it was dipped in pitch and set on fire and then shot at your opponent. Okay, it's kind of nasty, right? I don't want a flaming arrow coming at me. But what I want you guys to do for a second is I want you to think about the arrows that Satan may be throwing at you in the things you're facing today, in the things that you may be shaken from today, what are the arrows? And let me ask it a different way. What are the things that are either shaking your trust in God or, over here, Amunah, what are the things that are making it difficult for you to stand firm? Okay? I want you guys to talk about this. So if you will turn to one or two other people I just want you to take a few minutes to talk amongst yourself. What are the things in your life, 
in our culture? How about on a state university campus, right? What are the things, what are the flaming arrows coming our way? Maybe in your relationships. What are they? Go ahead and talk about those for a few minutes, and then I'm going to have you report back. On your mark, get set, go. Okay, you guys ready? Come on back. I want you to give me some examples of the things you talked about, and I'm going to write them on the screen. Okay, so you got to say them nice and loud. So raise your hand, I'll point to you, and you can say them. All right, here we go. Who's got one? Yeah. Lies, absolutely. Lies about ourselves. Lies about each other, right? Lies about what truth is. That's good. What else? Awesome. Confusion about your identity in Christ. Distractions. Doubting God's promises. So we'll just call that doubt for the lack of, make it a little quicker, but that's right. Fine. Comfort. Maybe that our comfort is more important than standing firm. That's good. Whether something's right or wrong, the pressure that you get to do things that might not be so right. Yes. Uh, worry about the future. Anybody feeling that one in here? Raise your hand. Yeah. <laughs> that one's huge. What else? Okay. Being tempted by the ways of the world, would you say? Okay. Let's just call this temptation. Just like the last one. Anyone feeling that in here? Temptation, right? Be honest. Come on. Yeah? It's there. Okay, that's a big one. Absolutely. Anything else? Yeah, Katie. Fear. One more. Anybody have one more? Yeah, back there. Success. Absolutely. Success is very, very inviting, is it not? Um, so this is a really great list. The lies that Satan tells us about ourselves or about what's true confusion about who we are in Christ, that's also huge, distractions, doubt, that our comfort is more important, the pressure we face, right, to choose to do the right thing, worry about the future, huge, temptation, fear, and the lure of success. Would you guys agree there's a lot of flaming arrows coming at you all the time, right, all the time? So we all understand this, and we know we're supposed to pick up the shield of faith, right? To trust God and stand firm. But this is so awesome. We are given this really great picture in Ephesians of what that means and how to do that. Okay, and I want to explain this to you. So we're going to go to the next word, and that is shield. Everyone say, thereos. Thereos, okay? This is the kind of shield. This is the Greek word. This is the Greek word in that Ephesians text for, the, for shield. And I want to explain what that shield was like, and then I'm going to show you how it was used, because this is really cool. So it was about four feet high, sometimes called a door, because it literally looked like a door, sometimes rectangular, sometimes a little bit oval and oblong, but about four foot high, made of wood, okay, and then covered in the front with leather. They would cover it with leather, and then... Just for a little added bonus, they would soak the leather in water. Okay, so if you soak that leather, leather in water, it's going to reflect that flaming arrow even a little better, and it's not going to be consumed as easily, right? So that's the description of this word that's being used in Ephesians 6 for shield. 